the topic uh, for today is the psycholinguistics of love. Language emerged about 150,000 years ago as a tool to express our mindscapes and to communicate with the world before we had grammatical structure for the process. Grammar came much later to establish rules for what already had felt meaning and function. Children learn language without any knowledge of grammatical rules. But when we violate the psycholinguistic function of language, we create mind-body dissonance by misusing what took millennia to establish agreement between thoughts and actions. And I'll unravel this slowly as we move it along. So stay with me. Now let's examine what we do to disrupt the ancestral function of love. Grammatically, love is a transitive verb. This means that the verb conveys meaning to a condition or person who receives the action. Conversely, an intransitive verb does not have an object to receive the action. For example, when we say, I love you, this is a recipient of our love. Whereas an intransitive verb like to die only has a subject but no object. Thus, you can say, I love you, but you cannot die for anyone. Imagine saying, I die you. It doesn't work. Um, so it is the one that receives the action, it has an object of the action. That is the transitive verb, which that's what love is, an action verb. But we diminish the value of love when we replace its transi transitive function, his transitive function, I meant to say, uh, to enact the experience with a forced intransitive condition of love that lacks a recipient. So in other words, we a, transit, a transitive love which we use to express an action, if we turn it into intransitive where we feel it without expressing it, it wasn't meant to be that way because uh, it, it lacks the, uh, the recipient. When it comes to the existential coherence of love, the intransitive mode speaks mind gymnastics rather than enacting language from the heart. So by removing the receiver from a transitive verb of action, we negate the intended psycholinguistics of love and its health benefits. One hides in platonic safety and the other lives in what I call Aristotelian courage to share our love. Plato live in forms and shadows, and that's how you look at the world. Aristotle lived in the, the experience of the world. So he was living the world. Plato was making love to shadows. But the, of, but the misuse of language also has psychoneurological consequences in that what we feel has biological basis. For example, hormones and neurotransmitters, that's biological. That's how we can feel. And when there's incoherence between what we feel and what we express, there's a deregulation of healthy mind-body function. So mind-body coherence is important because most of our emotions are designed to gain 
maximum benefit when they are expressed. So for example, you look at someone and you feel a certain attraction or love. And when you express that to that person, either by, by looking at the person or saying something, that's when you secrete oxytocin, which are good uh, neurotransmitter hormones that are good for the heart and, and many other things. So our emotions are, are made to express. Of course, how we convey what we feel requires social norms to maintain civility. You just don't blur out what, what you feel. But a life pattern of repressing or overexpressing any emotion whether it's positive or negative, has adverse effects because our mind-body wellness is grounded on contextual relevance, what makes sense in a context, and biocognitive balance between expression and repression. In other words, we can cultivate our exalted emotions, which are compassion and empathy, love, and our higher cognitions, which is uh, admiration, honor, um, so that we can actually live our truth without demeaning others or capitulating to their expectations. So, for example, to bring it down, to, to land all of this, if you uh, say you love somebody and your actions are incoherent with what you say, then you're loving in your head. It's a love where you take love as a verb and you, t and you make it into a noun that has no function. So it's very important to know what you're feeding, what you're thinking, and to see if you're living it or not. But also it could be with a negative emotion too. If, you, if you're if you very dissatisfied with someone and you don't express it, you're not allowing your total function to have contextual relevance. How you express it, of course, is very important, just like how you express love is very important. But here I'm really concentrating on love in the psycholinguistics of it, because if love evolved with a set of emotions and cognitions and um, the neuropsychology and psychoneurology goes with it, it was meant so to be expressed. This is why love is transitive. Even before it had a, a any kind of grammatical rules, it was it was a, an expression of something to a recipient who could receive it. But you see that dying, dying is very intransitive because you can only die for yourself. You can't die for anyone. So it's already intrinsically built in there before you had language. It was a, 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 a wise psycholinguistic process that allowed emotions to be expressed or emotions that could not be expressed or, or conditions that could not be expressed. So it's very important that you find coherence in what you say and what you do, what you feel and what you think and how you express it. So to tell someone, uh, oh, I'm not hurting you. I'm just being uh, just being strict with you. You might think you're not hurting that person, but the recipient of the hurt is certainly experiencing it. So it works for both, both ways. But the point here is that love has to be transitive. It has to be expressed to a recipient. Otherwise, it's in your head, and otherwise, it remains unevolved, it remains lacking the expression that the value of love has. When you express love, when it's coherent, what you feel and what, you, uh, what you're experiencing, all kinds of immunological enhancement occur. Not only oxytocin, as I mentioned earlier, but serotonin goes up, endorphin goes up, 
all kinds of uh, dopamine, uh, all kinds of neuropsychological and psychoneurological processes are going on. So I hope this helps in understanding that words have psycholinguistics. They have psychological and, and emotional and, and, and physical meaning and consequences. So to live the psycholinguistics of love, make sure that it is an action verb to be expressed to someone that you're hoping will receive it. So enjoy and um, be at peace.